we've been just talking over the last few weeks, and last week we actually got into Romans 13, and, and you know, just really kind of swept out from behind the door things that God has been convicting me of. And, you know, I was reading it last week on how we're supposed to honor our authorities. And, and when Paul was telling the church this, Rome was in power with people that thought they were gods. And Paul was still saying not to curse them and to honor them and to pray for them. And I thought, my goodness, I, I got so convicted over it. And so last week we just said, we need an attitude adjustment because I'm just like mad about everything that's going on. And the fact is, is we need to be honoring and lifting up no matter what's going on. The most powerful thing on the earth is the church. And Paul says, pray for these people. He can turn the hearts of a king, the Bible says. And rather than just in our prayers, thinking we're going to tell God everything we think should happen, we just need to be praying that God is directing the situation and that, and that righteousness fills our government and his presence is guiding it because he's beyond anything we could ever imagine. So last week we began to discuss that and just how really the church is about love. It really is. And, and, and I know in the government things, that we're, we're not supposed to just bow to, to the government. Of course not. Our king is Jesus. We understand that. And so there's some things, once they cross the God line with us, that, that I would never step into. There's no government going to tell me I can't preach the gospel and share my faith. I would go to my deathbed over it because my true king is God. But God tells us to navigate under that to the, to the best of our abilities. And so, you know, down south, we're having a lot of interaction with churches that are refusing now to close. And I see their point, right? It's, they're saying if liquor stores are an essential service, well, <laughs> the church ought to be, right? And so I understand that point. And as long as they do it in honor and they do it in respect, you know, even if people ended up in jail, I respect that position because you're crossing into to gospel lines. But as a church, through all of this stuff and all of the social media and everything that's going on, we need to still understand that our greatest commandment is love, period. It's the new and greatest commandment. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, you know, though we have these great worship sessions and we can speak with tongues and all this other stuff, but I have not love, I've become like sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And when I hear that, I always laugh because I think of, you know, that monkey, stuffed animal monkey <laughs> clanging that thing. I think that's what God hears. You know, if, if we're like speaking in tongues and doing all this worship, yet we don't walk in love, God doesn't even, it's just, it's just that to him. Because love is what we need to come under. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all the faith so that I can move mountains, though I'm a super Christian, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I give all the stuff to, to the needy and to things on TV and, and, I, and, I, and I help out at soup kitchens and all this stuff, and though I would give my body to be burned but not love, it profits me nothing. Just like talking down south too, right? As long as people walk in love, no sense getting burned for the gospel if you're not walking in love. Love suffers long, is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there is tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now, get this, even after reading the love chapter, we need to get down to this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, leave that there. That's after he talked about walking in love. 
He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. And so the signs of a mature Christian is that we've learned to love. The signs of a child, childish Christian, is that we've not learned to love yet. And I know we're all along that path somewhere. And we all may be in different categories. Maybe we can be loving in a lot of areas, and in some areas we're just not so loving. But we're all along that way. And Paul is saying, listen, the mature ones learn how to love. You know, Jesus talked about the new commandment in John 13, 34, 35, when he said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, there was a different place in the Bible where someone asked him and said, teacher, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And he said, love your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so people ask, and if, if the new commandment is love, do you put away with the Ten Commandments? You know, do you do away with them? Well, you don't have to be concerned about them. Because if you walk in love, you obey all the Ten Commandments. If you walk in love, you're not going to sleep with your neighbor's wife. If you walk in love, you're not going to steal your neighbor's lawnmower. Right? And so we don't have to worry about it because if we walk in love, all that stuff happens. And he says, listen, love, um, love God and love your neighbor. All the prophets and all the law are all stapled under this one thing. And so when Jesus said a new commandment, we have to, like, what was the new part of the commandment if those two were always there? And that's often a question, right? Well, what's new about it then? Well, the new part is, is that Jesus, first of all, was able to give the example of what it looked like. The first person on earth ever to be able to do that to perfection was Jesus. So a new commandment I give you, and he states that, that you love one another as I have loved you, you now have an example. But even beyond that, the new commandment is when you were living under the old law, you never had Christ live on the inside of you. You weren't given a new heart. The laws of God were not written on your heart. So the new commandment is to love your brother and love your friend. What's so new about it is, is Jesus on the inside of you dealing with that situation. To love your brother, even as Christ loved us. Same with forgiveness, right? We're to forgive others, even as Christ has forgiven us. And that's a tall, tall order. Like he's forgiven us of everything. Everything. And there's some things that we don't want to forgive people for. We're going to say it's going to take time or this or that. You know what? No. Christ says, as I forgave you. And the one thing I notice about unforgiveness is that when we walk in unforgiveness, what happens is we get ourselves under the law. Now, Jesus doesn't start pointing out all of our junk. But when we get ourselves under the law, the law was designed to point out our junk. Matter of fact, the scripture says that it was the schoolmaster to show us that we need Jesus. So when we get into unforgiveness and we get into this stuff, a lot of times what happens is we start seeing the own, our own junk in our own lives. And a lot of times we're thinking that, you know, God's being, you know, condemning and pointing all that out. That's not the case. The law is doing that already. It's already doing that. Because we're to forgive others even as Christ has forgiven us. And once we resolve that and we look in the mirror and go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what I should have gone to hell for, Jesus, you're too good. Right? And so new commandment, the love of God. And so we were in 1 Corinthians 13 and I was looking through this verse this week again, and, and I came across some old notes on, on what each of these things meant. And I don't even know where it came from, so I can't, whether it was me or whether I got it from somebody else or whatever, I don't even know. But I had a bunch of notes on these things 
So I can't give credit, but let's just give credit to Jesus this morning anyways. So back to 1 Corinthians 13. The first attribute of love is that love suffers long. Love suffers long. This is the note that I had that I believe somebody I found from somewhere. It says, forbearance and patience. Suffering long means it doesn't know how to quit on a relationship. It doesn't know how to quit. You know, and we see that in our families, you know, and, and stuff like that as well, right? We, we get that as fathers and, and, and mothers in the early stages, and that really kind of, you kind of get and reflect how God is with us. But that's what it is. I mean, it's a lot harder to do that with other people, right? It's, it's, it's hard to do that. But it doesn't know how to quit on a relationship. Love is kind. Look at the definition of kind. To be adaptable or compliant to the needs of others. Don't demand that others be like you, but become what others need you to be for them. That's one of the attributes of love, is that we don't demand that others be like us, but we become what others need us to be for them. So it's never a take-take, it's always a give-give. Now again, you're all going to think about these specific situations and, and, you know, should you be around these people? Just... Let's just stay to the basics, and I'm sure there's, some, there's lots of reasons why you shouldn't be around certain people because it's unhealthy, and the Bible talks about that as well. But let's just get the, what the core of love is. It's kind. Love does not envy. Envy means to be radically consumed with your own desires and plans, to want even what others have. Love doesn't do that. Love isn't, doesn't envy what other people have. They're happy for what other people have. It doesn't want what other people have or covet what other people have, but they're glad that the other people have it. Love does not parade itself. Apparently it comes from a word, a Greek word, that says a lot of self-talk. One who endlessly promotes himself and exaggerates his own virtues. We all get into conversations and we're all guilty of it, but we all know somebody who really exaggerates the truth and their virtues and everything that they do is 10 times of what it really was. And we're all guilty of that. And so love doesn't parade ourselves. Love promotes other people above ourselves. In conversations, we're more excited about what somebody else is doing rather about just telling everybody about how great we are. Love is not puffed up, prideful or swollen, thinking that you are better than others. Nobody can do a job like I can do it. Others have nothing to offer. And having this elitist attitude, love doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. And even if you are feeling that way, it's never a prideful situation. You would rather bring that person to your level if you know something that they don't. Love does not behave rudely, meaning tactless or thoughtless. Inconsiderate, discourteous, bad manners, using harsh language, or insensitive. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. People ask me why I don't cuss. Now, don't get me wrong. I've probably hit myself with a hammer a few, too, few times. And, and uh, I told Kyle the other day, I hit myself so hard, he almost heard me cussing. But people ask me why. And it's got nothing to do with me. It's got to do with everybody else. Because I think that I want to influence people. And I've never heard one person say, I will never hang around that person because um, he doesn't cuss. Man, I wish he cussed. I'd, I'd hang around with him if he cussed. I've never heard that. 
but I hear people that are bothered by people that have harsh language. So I don't care about the harsh language. It doesn't really bother me at all. But I think if I want to influence others, what's one thing I can do to do that? Just cut that out. Now, I know there's a lot of things in my personality that probably push others away that I'm working on. But you can't win everybody. But you know what I'm saying, right? Right? I'm, a bit, I'm quite a I'm redneck. So um, love does not seek its own. It's a Greek word used to depict a person who is upset about not getting what he wanted that he turns to the court system to sue or demand what he is striving to obtain. So a subnote to that says, someone who puts words in people's mouths holds others accountable for promises they never made and is manipulative. Love never does that. Love never does that. Love is not provoked. Now we see the word provoked in a good sense in the book of Hebrews when, when we're supposed to come together and not forsake ourselves of the assembling of God because we're to provoke one another onto love and good works. So it means to come alongside and poke but it's in a negative fashion in this situation with love. And it depicts somebody alongside poking you so that you retaliate violently or aggressively. And Paul says on both sides of that, you shouldn't do the poking or you shouldn't be offended by the one doing the poking. And we've all been there, right? Now we poke, it's not talking about poking for fun. It's talking about poking to get somebody angry and no one likes being poked. But on the other side of that, you got to just be, that's a love test right there. How do you handle those situations? And I could think of over the last couple of weeks that uh, people poked me that I didn't handle graciously enough because I was ticked right off. Even though they shouldn't have done the poking, I shouldn't have done the, the retaliation. Love thinks no evil. And it's an accounting term in the original Greek language that means putting somebody uh, credit to someone's account, keeping track of every behavior. Thinks no evil. It does not keep track of behaviors. Does not put it in the account. It does not drag up your past behavior. Unforgiveness is directly linked to this particular love attribute. It thinks no evil, which means it flushes the account out. It does not keep track of the account. It deletes it out of the system. Isn't that wild? Dragging up past behaviors, a no-no. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Have you ever rejoiced in somebody else's hardship? Well, that deserves him right after everything he's done. Love's the opposite of that. Love says, God, I know he's had a tough life. Bless him anyways. You know? And we practiced that last week. A lot of us are mad at different government authorities and stuff, but we pray and we pray blessing into people's lives. Right? Because you should. And at the end of the day, we're not always right. We think we're always right. Love rejoices in the truth. And the note that I have here is it aggressively advertises the good. It aggressively advertises the good in people's lives. The good in things. They see the good. They see the good. And then the last one. Love bears or endures all things. It comes from a word that means to cover the roof of a house. And what it means is to protect, shield, or guard people. And it says in this particular word that if you bear all things, which means you protect people, you protect people, you cover them. Even when they're not doing well, you cover them, you protect them, you shield them. That it says people will run to you in a storm because you're the shelter. So these are tough attributes, you know, but they are our command. From Christ. They are the new commandment. That's what we're supposed to follow the commandment of love.
Now, I can tell you I probably busted probably 90% of those in the last two weeks. But you know what the difference is? Christ deals with me. My heart says it's wrong, and I want to improve on the situation because I want to be more like him. I want to be more like Jesus. And when we do walk like this, this is the thing about everybody's got these things. Well, what about this situation? Or what about happened to me here? If we walk like this all the time, we're going to know how to make those right decisions, the hard decisions in those times, because we're going to know what's truth. You know, it's like people always say with the counterfeit money when it was so um, popular to do it, prevalent when it was to do it, that the, the ones who would catch counterfeiters would only study the real bills. Because if they studied the old ones, they would get too confused in their head. But if they studied the real bill and that bill only, they would see a farce as soon as they saw it because something would be wrong. And so same with us. If we just walk in love all the time, we're not going to have to ask when we should be pushing somebody away. We just know. We've walked in love and we know what's healthy and what's not healthy. We know how to walk. And when we do it, we still do it in love. And it doesn't mean weakness. It means meekness. It means authority and power under control. Because the kingdom works so differently. We think that we have to do something for something to happen. But God says, no, the kingdom is different. You want to get, you give. You want a friend, you be friendly. It's upside down to the world system. It really is. And so myself at the top of the list, I want to learn how to love better. I want to learn how to walk in this new commandment to a better degree. And like I said, I don't want all this puffy you know, stuff that some Sunday school make, books make it out to be because I know how Christ walked. I know how he did. And he was hard in some situations, but everything was for the gospel and everything was for love. And same with us, like we discussed last week, we don't even belong to ourselves anymore. We're bought and paid for and we belong to him. And so that's what I'm believing that grace is going to take me to. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Help us by your spirit. Holy Spirit, we know you live in us. We know that God lives in us through the presence of the Spirit of God. Help us, God. Guide us, teach us. You said that you would lead us and guide us into all truth. Help us to do that, my King. Father, in these times of chaos, thank you that we have the ability to walk in peace. We have the ability to walk in truth. We have the ability to walk in love. We have the ability, God, to reflect the kingdom of God on this earth. And Father, I know as we do, we will see miraculous things take place in our lives. We will see miraculous things take place in the people around us and the people that you bring to us. We will see miraculous things in all areas of our life because love affects health. Love affects finance. And so we commit and hand it over to you to walk in love in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's amazing how that commandment would affect every arena of life, but it does. It truly does. Because that's the highway to the kingdom of God is that. So praise the Lord.